Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst. You guys know the rest by now. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. We have the ever charismatic special guest with us today, Ronnie Thompson. Super excited. <laughs> he uh, is kind of indifferent about the podcast. We work together at Financial Strategies Group. He told me before we started that he's listened to every episode. I said, every episode? And he goes, well, everyone with a guest, so that way I don't have to listen to just you for 30 minutes. And I said, appreciate it. That's our relationship. Today we are drinking from Sweetwater Brewing Company. I think they're out of Atlanta. I'm not sure, though. That's what it says on the can, but it, it could be that's just where the where the, uh, where the can company is from. Anyways, it is a Hop Hash Easy IPA, 4.2% alcohol. Let's give it a try. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Like a pine tree. That is a good one. Love that's it. a good one. That's a winner. So, Ronnie, I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about one of the things I've been talking about lately, which is the finance industry and the financial advice industry. So you had kind of a, you know, you're, you're a financial planner now, you're a fiduciary, you, you work in clients' best interests, managing money and doing diversified portfolios and comprehensive planning and all that stuff. But you had a kind of rigmarole to get to where you are now. And I think some of the positions that you're in in the past represent some of the more sales side of the industry where there, you, there could be some conflicted advice. So I guess just kind of give us the backstory. I mean, you went to, you, you were in college in Michigan. I went to Eastern. So, um, wrestled in high school. We got a wrestling connection, obviously, in the firm with your brother Brandon, yeah. and 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 you did a little bit of it as well. Um, and then, uh, so I wrestled at Eastern. Uh, ended up getting a general business degree there. I actually was gonna um, go the teaching route, so I kind of wanted to do the whole um, teacher certificate. You know, be the PE teacher and, and coach and. Um, and so, uh, after I got into that program and started working towards that degree, uh, ultimately decided that I'm, uh, I'm, you wanted to be more financially independent. I had a couple of buddies of mine that were mentors that were wrestlers that were a few years older than me that graduated with their certificate and, and were giving me some advice and information that it might be better to look at some other direction. So it's a tough job being a teacher. Super tough. Yeah. Especially starting out. They don't start out necessarily with the highest pay. It eventually can lead to you know, good living, but it takes a while. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so ultimately, um, I knew kind of revisiting that and, and actually at, at some point trying to be responsible because I, I spent a lot of time being irresponsible in college. Um, <laughs> didn't we all, we, didn't we, we all, all did. we all did doing a lot of this, by the way, <laughs> I'm super excited by the way to yeah. be here. You know, who's not excited? Who? My wife. About this? Yeah, because I'm, well, she's excited. Yeah. But she's a stay at home mom with three little kids. So, like, I'm up here in Flint hanging out, drinking beer, and she's chasing this little is kids. Fenton, around. for the record. Fenton. Yeah, but Fenton. yes, yes. And so, yeah, well, this is business. You know, you could become famous because of this. Yes, well, that's We could blow up like the Joe Rogan. We, we could. Podcast. You're going to yeah. have nothing to do with that, though, let's be honest. What? Making me famous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 1% credit. <laughs> but shout out to my wife. No, all seriousness. Um, so you you decided to switch gears into the business. So I switched gears, and, and part of that was under the idea that, that um, I wanted to be an educator. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that much I knew. That much I knew is what I was good at. You know, growing up, um, I, I, I joke with, with people um, when we were in grade school, um, your, your report card in like elementary school was like, you get the letter, mm -hmm. like a, you oh, know, I got a lot of letters, right? So then they started developing like a, a, b, b, c, c, d, d. Oh, you know. I thought you meant like letters home to your parents. Well, that too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I got, I got plenty of those. They were stapling stuff to my shirt all the time, but, but they, they had like, so they would give you comments right on your, on your grades and it would be like an a for, you know, 
you know, participates or a beef or gets out of his seat too much. And so they only used to have like A through C. Well, then they started doing like A through Z, then A, A, B, B, C, C because of all these different comments to make about your kid. And I always joke and say like that happened because of me. Cause I was, <laughs> I was never like bad, but I was always like spazzy and a storyteller and never in my seat and running around the classroom all the time. You're still and, a high energy storyteller. I, I mean, you, you, that's, it's, that's it, the passion. I'm concerned about the time frame we'll have for the podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. You should be. You should. Be. As we start to dive into uh, the stories, we're going to need some more beer probably here. So you, you, you divert into the business program, and uh, what happens when you graduate? So I graduate, and I ultimately ended up walking away with a general business degree with kind of a minor focus in marketing. Okay. So I walk into the job field and realizing at that time, which is about 2004, that the job markets were starting to slow pretty, pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided at that point, you know, do I want to go in a direction like my father, who is part of our firm, who happens to be an attorney, a state planning attorney? Do I want to do the law school thing, which conceptually I was interested in, but I knew like, I'm not, I've never been an academic to okay. be frank. Like I've never been a traditional test taker. Yeah. 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 I was really good at BSing. So like I was real good at paper writing, <laughs> Yeah, but usually it was, you know, I was, I was good at, at getting by with that. So, so ultimately with the, I decided I just get to get in the job markets. So I got to mm -hmm. get my feet wet, see what it's all about. So ultimately what ended up happening is I found this job that was a marketing consultant. And okay. of course being a, you know, a, a young college kid, I'm thinking to myself like this job must be for me. Yeah. You're going to be like making advertisements. hundred percent. Like, yeah. Billboards right? design. And as stuff. long as they're yeah. paying me a paycheck, I, I, yeah. I think I was going to Marketing like consultant is code for sales. Correct. <laughs> and so going back to the original point I was making about how like the whole letter grade thing on your report card in, in, in elementary school was one of the consistent things that had happened to me throughout my whole childhood was teachers would always say in some form or fashion, you're either going to be a sales guy or a politician. Right. And that, and I had several teachers, probably like eight, nine years in a row where teachers yeah. would always say that. That doesn't me. say a lot about your honesty. It doesn't, but I'm, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm credible. Trust yeah, me. I'm, okay. I'm honest and credible. That's the fiduciary. So what was this marketing consultant position actually? So I have no idea, but I accepted the job. Okay. Right. So I have no idea what this job is, but they pay yeah. me a paycheck. So that sounded like all I needed to know at that point at 21 years old. Fair enough. They were going to pay me a paycheck. Understood. So, uh, first day we come, we do a week orientation, still don't really have any clue what I'm doing. And uh, next thing you know, I'm traveling several weeks a month to kind of backwoods mm -hmm. uh, businesses, like businesses in like backwoods, Minnesota, Wyoming, some of these other areas, and they were insurance companies. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I start to realize I'm being trained to understand insurance products. And ultimately I'm responsible to market those insurance products to other financial advisors. So this is essentially where, when the, you started to realize what your position was and you, and you, you were dipping your toe into the finance industry yep. and what were the, uh, the, the products? Cause I think this is the important thing. Yeah. So they were, so the company that I worked for was, was in Southfield, Michigan. We mm -hmm. worked on an, on a national level and they really had two main departments, life insurance and long-term care were one. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest department for this company was annuities and yeah. typically fixed indexed annuities. So your job was to go to insurance companies and convince them to sell the indexed annuity products. So yeah, basically what would happen was is the, is the insurance company would manufacture, make mm -hmm. the product, okay. and then they would come to our company and say, look, we don't really want to deal with advisors or insurance sales guys. Mm -hmm. That's your job. You so go find those guys you, to sell our product. You guys were in the intermediary between the insurance companies Absolutely. and the people who were placing the product which is the insurance agents, the middleman. So 
I guess just kind of talk about how that industry works because I, I, it's an industry I think fraught with some conflicts of interest Absolutely. and issues and, and things which you now know but I mean a lot of people get sold into that position at 21, 22 years old not knowing anything about these products that they're distributing and you know get months long sales pitch on how the companies are great and yep. yada 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 and it's actually just shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I and, and if there's anything, I learned a lot from that experience, good and bad. And I think uh, some of the fundamental things, in particular with annuities, you know, I think we've learned that annuities, just in general, from a consumer standpoint, is a bad word, yeah. right? And, and as consultants, you know, I think we try to empower our clients less about what we perceive to be the right fit or not, but empowering them with all the strategies that exist and the pros and cons of each of those strategies, right? right. Annuities aren't necessarily a bad Correct. thing, but there's a lot of bad placement. Correct. Right. Like That's he, exactly right. You know, the the the, the most well-respected yeah. academics in our fi in finance think that annuities serve a place in a retirement plan, but the problem is an oversold because it's over-commissioned product is a problem. Absolutely. Right. And so. That's what, unfortunately, uh, unknownst to you, we're put in this position to, to distribute this product. And, and there's a lot of incentives out there for you to do that for the agents, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's kind of ironic you say that because now that I think about it, at that time, I, I didn't know what... I didn't know what life insurance was. I didn't know what homeowner's insurance was. I was still living in my mom's basement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like full-blown bachelor mode. So like, so the wholesaler going to meet with your financial broker advisor person could be living in their mom's correct. basement. 100%. And There's that, a 90% chance we're going to get Let's be honest. No, no knock on, 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 on FMOs. And that's the that's the expert 100%. that is giving the insurance agent, financial broker, the information to sell you a product. Yeah, I mean- That I, is scary. It's Well, the reality is, and, and it's, sometimes it's scary to look behind the curtain, but the the reality is they hire young and experienced people because those are the people that are typically willing to pound the phones. It's it's yeah. really more about contact than it is about contact. Yeah, when you're right? when you're broke, hungry and got a student loan payment, 100%. you're 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 ready to work. Hundred percent. Sometimes. So yeah. I think yeah, I mean I think that point Any is, good stories from that time? Man yeah, I actually got a great one. So, uh, <laughs> we, so what was cool and, and I did, and, and, and it was an incredible experience, uh, very good company, very good people. Again, to your point, one of the fundamental lessons amongst many I learned from that place was a lot of things in, that I still to this day apply to my practice. Yeah. And, and one of those was, um, Tanya Croning, who was the VP of sales for all of annuities. Right. She stood up in front of us one time and she said, when you understand the, the, the capacity for, insurance companies to manufacture product and the things that they have to go through from a state and federal level to be approved and all these things, you know, there's always anomalies to the rule. I'm not going to sit here and say there's never been nor ever will be bad product, but in general, typically product is good to your point. It's in her point and what she said, which I'll never forget. And I tell this to clients all the time is there really is no such thing as bad product. It's all about bad positioning, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, the example I use is, you know, if I put a nail on this wood and I hand you a saw, right? And I ask you to put that nail into the, into the wood is a saw, a bad tool, like on its own merit is a yeah. saw a crummy tool. No, it's not for this job. It's really bad. Right. But yeah. the problem is, is that because somebody, a bunch of, of people that aren't educated, try to sell you a saw to put a nail into wood, all of a sudden saws are just bad tools altogether. Well, see, and that's, I think one place where I'll disagree with you is I think there is bad yeah. products because, uh, you know, if you have products, a, B and C and C is not as good as B and B is not as good as a, that by default makes C a worse product. Yeah. If both, pro if all three are meant to, to you know, if you have three mutual funds, three annuities, and they're all meant to accomplish the same goal, they all track the same index, they all do the same thing, and one is way more expensive and plays a larger 
commission for the consumer that is a bad product agreed right and i think that's what you expect from the professional working for you is that they're going to be looking out for your interest and the application of these strategies are specific to your needs right and objectives so the so the funny story um so it was very much at the time, and the company has has really evolved and developed into into even more of a, an incredible company than when I was there. But when when I was there, it was like a boiler room, right? Yeah. So like you remember the movie, like the movie Boiler Room, right? Where all I these actually guys never are, watched oh, that. It's incre- it's a, yeah, yeah, it's it it actually is the reason why if most people watch that movie, they probably never hire a financial advisor again. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Fair enough. But it's it's really is the, that Ben Affleck in there. It's Ben Affleck is the is kind of the sales manager, okay. right? And there's you know Vin Diesel and a couple other guys. That the idea of that movie is these guys are. Just stock traders, right? Yeah. And they they don't give the, yeah. all they're doing is trying I, to sell stock. I've seen previews for it. I thought about yeah. watching. Some and the Fed comes in at the end and yeah. busts them all up and all that. But it's it's a really good, uh, it's 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 a good movie. And and ultimately, that's kind of how this company was designed. Like we were literally like in jeans and a t shirt, just smiling and dialing, right? Like yeah. just. 400 dials a day, four hours a day, like just just killing the phone. So what they tried to do is they tried to create this environment of, you know enjoying work yeah. right so they would have like basketball hoops and like footballs to throw so there's this guy jim i'll, I'll leave his last name off of this but still still stay in somewhat contact with him uh, great guy and he was a little bit older mm-hmm. married had been married before had a couple kids so he's in this mix and we're all like young just out of college and we're smiling and dialing and we're all you know hyping each other hyping up. each other up doing our spiels thinking we're all sweet and jim and i are whipping the football back and forth at each other yeah and he's got this kind of proverbial big fish on the phone right like he's and, and he's made it kind of clear because at this point you know we kind of knew when stuff was getting serious so he's like giving me the like i got a guy on the phone and this is a big producer right so he's wheeling and dealing this guy right yeah. and we're whipping the football back and forth and at, at one point i got the football and i whip it at him and we're doing the catch thing and it goes right into his midsection man hits him uh, right in the nuts okay? oh that, that's not midsection oh yeah it was it was it was it was a direct bullseye man and and he's got this headpiece on <laughs> And he literally goes down, and I hear him go like this. And what was hilarious is, is there's the little mute button, yeah. right? So he's just guttural like noises are coming out of this guy. He sounds like his stomach is being ripped out of his his you know ripped out. And he and he's on the phone with his big fish, right? And all this guy can do is as he's down, right, and just holding on to dear life. I just see his finger like this, like trying to find the mute button. He's just like, <laughs> oh, Ugh! and and he can't find it. So now he's got to try to explain to this you know rather large producer that he's trying to sell into selling more product is Jim I can and you can hear him Jim are you okay and he comes up and he's like oh Bob Bob I swallowed a bug <laughs> and and you can just hear this guy go uh, oh Jim are you okay and of course you know and that was one of like and and that was just the the nature of it man like we just had a blast and so it it's kind of yeah I mean experience. it's just a little bit jarring how I, I guess convoluted the whole that side of the industry kind of can work but so so you get through this wholesaler position and and what was next so really what was next was predicated on a specific relationship that i had created with a a, um attorney he was Mm -hmm. an elder law attorney and um i through my relationship with him being his marketer and 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 product consultant realized you know there's this whole other retail side, right? There's working this, directly with right, clients, yeah. correct? And and just in hearing how he handled things and just identifying the relationships. And for me, I've I've always been a relationship guy. So like in this role, there was no sustainability to the relationship, yeah. right? It was like if a guy could find a nickel more, he were, he, yeah, he was out, gone. right? Yeah. So it was, so that was frustrating because I'm a, I'm a relationship guy and I value relationships. And so 
that was that's what got me to start thinking about this whole other aspect of being an advisor, mm-hmm. right? And, and up until that point, I had never really thought about it. I had kind of thought some type of sales capacity, whether it was this or moving on to another, you know, type of industry or whatever. And so that relationship really is what kind of lit the fire for me to start doing some due diligence and moving towards the direction of becoming an advisor myself. Okay. So you're in this position. Is this, was this, did this end up actually being an advisor position or was this a consumer sales insurance agent brokering stuff kind of position when you say where I went or where I was at 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 the at the FMO at the next one so the next one so I decide I make the jump I'm a bachelor I'm single I I you know I I'm I'm making decent money I've saved some money Mm -hmm. so it's 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 reasonable for me to make that jump so I just didn't really know where to go. So how long were you at that uh, the, about the wholesaler position? Three and a half years. Three and a half, three and a half that four good, years. That's a good clip yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, and I learned a lot. I mean, I, I was I was at the height of what I was doing at the point that I had to make a decision to to make that move. And and of course, I had understood, you know, you got to build, you know, you got to build your practice. You got to start, you know, creating relationships. And so I basically just started reaching out to anybody that would have a conversation with me. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and as we know, naturally I kind of fell into the lap of an insurance brokerage, mass mutual, yeah. uh, and their sales manager who was responsible essentially to recruit a bunch of young guys to come on board as new advisors. Well, that's an interesting side of the business too, is that the way most advisors get their start is they're hired through a, a broker dealer or insurance brokerage where they'll hire 10 guys and hope that one makes it yeah. right. Yeah. And, and so I'm guessing the first task there was to contact friends and family hundred percent. And, and so you drop a list of friends and family and you go meet with them with your manager or whatever. And you're trying to find products to place. So they have, commission. so they have this thing called the 100, 200. Yeah. So it's kind of an industry known thing. Mass mutual referred to it as the 100, 200, which was essentially sitting down to a document and writing down a hundred people, you know, or I'm sorry, 200 people, you know, and a hundred businesses, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you and they they defined it as like deep personal connection to these people and and I always think back to that like it was an exercise of like depression right like when somebody asks you to like write down 100 people that like you know and you realize like you're not as cool as you thought yes like I have seven I have seven seven friends and six of them are in their mom's of which four of them I owe money and they're not going to take my phone call (laughs) right (laughs) damn it yeah not 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 fun so uh, that and this is where I wanted to get to the heart of is the track to the industry and this is why it's so important to find good financial advisors and planners is that the track to the industry is a sales track. 100%. And so you're there and now you're smiling and dialing 100 friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's transactional, right? Like we talk about how most people's experience um, when it comes to clients that we're not working with when we meet them for the first time, whether it's a second opinion or whatever is, they're the typical financial advisor relationship experience is ultra transactional, yeah. right? And part of that is how these advisors came into the business. Transactional meaning here's your problem, here's a product to solve the problem, I'll sell it to you, make a commission and Correct. You know, maybe we'll talk again. Correct. Yeah. It's all product placement, right? Yeah. It's all the the nature of discussions. You if you if you stop and think about the questions being asked are not about your needs and your plans. They're more about I'm looking for a problem that would yeah. be solved by a strategy that pays me money. Right. Right. And right. and not that those things don't happen naturally in a plan, but it's if that's your target. Correct. Right. Like if if the way in which you're compensated 100 percent is based on placing a product 100%. and then your bonus is placed on a product, let alone keeping your job. Right. Right. Is, right. is, is about selling a product. There's a problem when you're looking at a situation where you're dealing with people's life savings. 100%. Right. And, and it goes back to, you know, how I came in was looking back now, 13 years later, I think to myself, 
the industry is the way that it is because of the way most people come into this business is no different than what I did. They right. hire they hire 50 people. Mm -hmm. They know three of them are going to work out, right. right? And they train you on here's the it's life insurance yeah. or it's, it's this type of life insurance or these annuities or and these they, mutual funds. And they yeah. they put these these very few things in there and they send you off to try to sell those ideas to everybody you can. And, and it and sucks. 100%. It sucks. I mean, it sucks for the person that doesn't know any better. And then they end up spending five years there and they get a little more ingrained and they learn a little bit more. And then they spend, you know, 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. And then they've made a career out of it and they can't change. Yeah. And they can't move. Absolutely. Right. So uh, I got to ask if there's any, any, I mean, what was that like? Right. Yeah. Like you, I think you told me a story about just being hired with a bunch of just nincompoops. I mean, here's the bottom line. And this is no, this is no knock. This is no disparage because it, it relates to our business. But I will tell you two of the industries that I feel are very similar in this way, real estate, whether mm -hmm. it's mortgages or realtors or financial advisors mm -hmm. to me, typically represent an industry that offers a lot of opportunities for people who would otherwise be unemployed. <laughs> right. And, and if there's ever any exposure to the, I truth think, I, that, I think, I think you got to re-say that. No, I, 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 I meant exactly what I just said. No, I, I, and again, I am a financial advisor. You are a financial consultant and advisor, right? I think, I think what, what I'm saying is, it's not a knock or mark on the industry. It's just because, and this is frankly, one of those things when it comes into, you know, designations and education and experience and, and spending the necessary time getting to know this person in front of you that you're going to essentially make a decision on whether this person's going to handle your livelihood. Right, and right. for most people, it's perfect strangers, right? right? Is that th this industry does provide fairly simplistic roads mm -hmm. for people to show up to your house in a suit and say they're a financial advisor. Right. Well, I mean, you, you can't you can't wake up one day and say I'm going to be a doctor and put a sign out for being a doctor Absolutely. after taking a simple exam, exactly. right? So you know that at least for you know there's good doctors, bad doctors, but all doctors are highly educated. Absolutely, right? You know when they show up with a white coat and a stethoscope, like yeah. some school went down. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like I mean, yeah, exactly. Like you would hope. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's ideally, that was right? that catch me if you can. That that was that was that a, was interesting. That was but interesting. yeah, so. You were, you're there with some, some, some characters to say the least. Yeah. I, I, so, so this was like Hollywood movie. Yes. So, you know, under underlying issue of, you know, what these companies would do is they would, they would pay you a monthly stipend, right? Yeah. So ultimately, whether people like it or not, what, what guys would do is instead of telling their wives that they're unemployed, they'd wake up in the morning, put on a suit and go to an insurance brokerage. Mm -hmm. And ultimately the, the reason they would do that is for six months, they could get a thousand bucks a month and then they would move on to the next insurance brokerage and the next insurance brokerage. So one of the things, and they weren't actually, they weren't doing they, anything. No, they yeah. weren't doing anything. So to make that point, which is the story that you and I <laughs> talked about is one of the ex exercises that we would do. And of course, one of the, one of the fundamental issues that always used to bother me was we would be in meetings all week. Yeah. Like, like out of a, out of a 10 hour work day, like seven of them would be in meetings talking to each other. And of course I'm thinking to myself, like, how are we even able to go out and do work if we're sitting in a boardroom with each other, you know, 90% of a work day. Yeah. So I ended up, um, we, one of the things that we would do is every Every last Friday of the month, uh -huh. the sales manager would call all the you know advisors, the new advisors into this boardroom. And what we were responsible to do in preparation for this, and by the way, 99% of these guys would be doing it like while they were walking into the meeting, right? Is we would have to fill out a... Um, one of those, and I'm, I'm blanking on it with the, 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 where you had the, it's the clear sheet and you put it on the, on the old school member back oh, in like the yeah, science the classes, overhead projector, the overhead projector yeah, right? yeah. And so it was this old, they, we would each get this like clear laminate piece of like paper, right. And we would have to fill in how many days we worked, 
our activity. So like how many meetings, how many phone calls, yeah, right? Yeah. And there was this whole list of things that we were given as a responsibility to do, right? Yeah. And so we would show up with these with these overhead projection sheets and we would each individually walk up, set this thing down on this old school projector and have to basically discuss with everybody in the room what we did or didn't do that month, right? <laughs> so I'll never forget one- So you got to go up there and say, I did, you know, I did uh, 30 phone calls and five meetings and closed two products or whatever that was. Exactly. Right? And so I'll never forget- And just real quick for our listeners, if, if, if you're watching the video- uh, it might cut off. And if it cuts off, whether we have a time limit on the videos that we can upload, just go ahead and iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, the rest of it will pick up on the podcast. So go from there. So, so ultimately I remember this one meeting in particular, I'll never forget. We go in there and it was a grab bag of people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there was old people, young people, every different race, ethnicity, religion, and we're sitting in this room and I'll never forget this one young guy was was up there and I don't even remember his name now but but he was hilarious because he had no shame right <laughs> so he goes walking up there and of course it was almost like I enjoy it got to a point where it was enjoyable because he'd go up there with a smile on his face and he'd set this project this projection screen down and he put it down and it'd show up and it would be like how many days did you work this month a half a day <laughs> How many phone calls did you make? Two and a half, and one of them was to my wife to make sure she was still home, right? And he would literally put this information down. And I'm just sitting there, and and and, and he's just talking. I'm, I'm literally- And he was paid $1,000 a month right. to do this. And I'm yeah. literally looking at this, and I'm thinking, is this what I want to do with the rest of my life, right? And, and, and as I'm thinking this, and this is no joke, as I'm literally listening to this guy talk about this, I look over, and there's this guy, and he is in REM stage three. I mean, he is disconnected from his body asleep. Right. I mean, he is straight up snoring. He's sleeping. And, and I remember sitting and, and this was kind of the moment where I realized something needed to change because because I did. I, I sat there and I thought to myself, you know, I've always been an athlete. I've always tried to surround myself with successful people. And I just felt like this was the wrong environment and the wrong, and the wrong right. spot. You weren't hanging out with winners. No, I was definitely not. <laughs> I, some people that could sleep wherever you set them. But so then you met my dad. I did. And, and, and that's a great story it is in and of itself. It is a great, it's, it's, it's my, it's, it's my foundational career story. So in that moment, what I realized was I need mentorship, mm -hmm. right? And I think going back to your point about, you know, whether it's the medical world or finance or attorneys, most successful people that we'll ever meet in their careers were mentored, yeah. right? Traditional, like old school mentorship, like yeah. come with me young buck and I'll show you the ways, right? right. And that doesn't exist in our industry, right. like not, not unless you seek it out. So um, so how this all came to be in the connection of wrestling, how we started this conversation, my, my youngest uh, brother who happens to be adopted wrestled with your older brother, Brandon, yeah. and they were at Central Michigan together. And I had a few experiences in the stands up at Central Michigan. And I remember kind of knowing who your dad was and seeing him, right? Because yeah. he was the guy in a camo sweatshirt right. smoking cigars. Right, which yeah. I never really made a big deal out of it until my dad came home one day and said, hey, um, you know who Mark Carter is? And I said, yeah. He goes, he, he found out that, you know, you're in finance and he's in finance and he'd like to have lunch with you and meet with you and talk to you. And I'm thinking to myself, you're okay. And I said this, I said, dad, the, the, the hillbilly, right. That wears camo sweatshirts that say, I love hunting. On from, the back. That's a, a brief exaggeration, but from where Ronnie lives, anybody that has a camo shirt right. on any right. time it, is yeah, a hillbilly. He had all of his teeth so that we were, yeah, we were, we're operating same, at, a, yeah. at a good level there. Well, I thought yeah. he had some competency. Yeah. So, I, I honestly thought to myself, like, you know, this guy is, you know, I knew, I knew you guys were from the Schwartz Creek area. I was judging the Schwartz. book. By, I was judging the book by, by its cover. Right. So, but at the end of the day, 
what else was I going to do? Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, I mean, had been, looking. he was awake. He was, he was, asleep. He was awake. Yeah. That's true. And his, his, yeah. And his, his spreadsheet was filled out. So I end up, um, deciding I'm going to go meet with this guy. Uh-huh. So he's working out of the, the Lansing office. I'm still in the Northville Southfield area. So I'm thinking I got to drive 50 minutes to go see this, this guy. And he's going to talk to me about bucks and deer and elk calls and all this other nonsense. Right? <laughs> so I show up to his office and as soon as I walk in, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is like a hunting lodge. So our office has some 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 cabin like right. features right. where it's you know it's it's knotty pine it's very nice very classy yeah but it's not it's not Detroit Northville fast talking Ronnie no it's definitely not that jerk it's definitely not that <laughs> so 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 I walk into this office and I'm like thinking to myself like you know should I be making s'mores or telling campground stories or like what's you know should I have come in on horseback I'm, I'm trying so so out comes walking Mark and he's got this like super flashy, multicolored, super loud button up shirt with like, you know, his, like, yeah. you know, his, his cowboy, uh, hoe down jeans and his, in his, in his boots. Right. Snakeskin boots. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's a Wednesday. He dresses sometimes like a comic book character. Oh, he, he definitely does. Yeah. He definitely does. Yeah. He's proud of it. He yeah. He was. Oh yeah. It. Yeah. He owns it. So, so now I'm, now it's just, it's piling on. So now I'm just thinking like, how fast can we get through this lunch so I can go back <laughs> home and figure out my next steps in my career. Right. So he walks out. I'm thinking he's going to bring me back to a conference room. And he's like, no, we're going to go out to lunch. So we go out. We get in his car. We drive to the Michigan State Athletic Club, which, mm. if anybody knows, is a pretty... It's a nice club. It's a nice, nice, yeah, nice place a to eat. little private club. So we walk in there. And we walk up to the host stand. And without him saying anything, the hostess goes, Mr. Carter, the usual. And now I'm like, all right, this is like punked. Right? <laughs> like somebody's this messing with me right now. Yeah. Right? So we go back. Sit in you his, didn't know when you got in the car? No clue. Okay. No clue. Well, has this was he, before he, he, your dad called BMW Mercedes. Well, I know, but he had the, he had the sweet Cadillac at the time. Yeah, so, 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 but you know, again, I'm thinking he's, you know, okay, all right, you're right. in a business long enough. Every squirrel yeah. gets a nut. Okay. Know? All right, fine. So I'm, 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 I've, I've judged this book pretty harshly. Yeah. Okay. So we sit down and he spends 45 minutes blowing my mind in a good way. Blowing my okay? mind. Okay. I mean, literally yeah. he's saying things that I've been reading about and thinking about and, and everybody's passing me off and. And it took him 45 minutes to convince me. I went from how the hell do I get out of here to yeah. that whole 50 minute drive home. How do I leave the company I'm with now and, and join him? Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. And well, so yeah, you end up, you end up on the, uh, we had a different name at that time. My dad was horrible at marketing. It was like the financial strategies corporation of Michigan. It's like, you couldn't get any more letters right. in there or yeah, what? It was, yeah. Not good. And so, uh, Colorful you joined and, and like, uh, three months later, maybe I, I was on board because yeah. <clears throat> I just, well, actually I was still in college yeah. and, and so I was smiling and dialing and introducing myself to clients. And so you got on board and, and we were at another broker dealer. Yeah. Granted, probably a lot, lot better experience than what you were getting. A lot before. better. One where we were at least able to do comprehensive planning, but there got to be some issues there with, you know, um, sales requirements and 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 you know, uh, paying for for sales managers to recruit guys like you're yeah. talking about that are sleeping in boardrooms yeah. somewhere, right? And so we made a we made a change, right? And and now we're you know, and I talk about this a little bit, you know, in the podcast, but you know, not not dive deep into it. Is there's a huge difference between financial advisors that are at a registered investment advisor that are true financial advisors and somebody that's at a broker dealer that is a broker that's allowed to call themselves a financial right. advisor. Right? right. And I, I don't know, what's the biggest difference in your mind? I think it's, it's the biggest difference in transition. And we made that transition in, in late 2017. And we talk about this all the time. Like yeah. how we just, we don't, 
know if there's a specific list of things why. We just know it's different, yeah. right? And I think going back to your point is I like, mean, I, I think I could list out a, yeah, a no, dozen sure, things, right? For sure, for sure. You know, I, like when we, I tell people when we started that transition because it was it was a lot of work. I mean, it was a tremendous amount of work to get our clients and on average clients saved, I don't know whether it was 10, 20, or 30% in fees and they have better options, better, you know, the app on their phone, whatever it may yeah. be. There's a lot of reasons that we did it and, and client experience improved, right? But the interesting thing being when we started the process, I was skinny and had a full head of hair. Yeah, that was, well, that's a testament. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, you're, but, you're a lot better looking too. But I mean, yeah, I mean, what the, the, the difference to me is, is, is foundational on how we operate day to day. When was the last time you thought about, man, I need to close some sales. Yeah, right? I mean, you and know, that's, like, and I think going back to that whole, past broker dealer relationship is that it doesn't mean that that approach is wrong. Yeah. I think we, we found that we could not coexist in that environment because we didn't operate that way. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what ultimately pushed us. Not that what they were doing was wrong. It's just, we do things differently. I think you can do good work. 100%. There. I think it's a lot harder. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of barriers and I think I got 30, you plus years left to doing this yeah. business. Yeah. And I don't want to fight with a corporate bureaucracy the whole time. I want to just be able to do what's best for my client at all times. Right. Well, and I think it's, I think that, and you know me, I'm an analogy guy and I, and I use analogies by design. Sometimes they're really good. They're sometimes very, very rarely. But, but when I use analogies, I use them because I think the art of what we do, whether you're in a insurance broker dealer or you're an independent advisor, fiduciary, regardless of where you're at, my opinion is the art of what we do is taking a very complex situation that frankly, people need mm -hmm. in order to achieve a lot of their goals and, and making it so that they understand it. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think, you know, for, for the analogy that I would use is that it's okay if you're a deck builder, like yeah. if you want to go out and, and knock on people's doors and ask them if they want a new deck and just yeah. build decks. Yeah. But I also think that the way we operate is we want to be architects. Like we want to design, you know, the property that, that the house is on the house, the deck on the house, because all those things go together. Right? right. And I think that's the analogy that I would use here. The, the thing that I say to my clients all the time, you want a deck builder or an architect, right? And, and, and I think, kind of a, you know, and it's okay to have a deck. I'm going to give this one a B plus. Okay. I appreciate it. Um, but I think, you know, my, my, you know, I always talk to my clients about marquees, right? Like if, if I, as a professional was a theater, like what would my marquee say? And, and I think how I have analyzed this is most people, if they really think about it, mm -hmm. right, their financial plans are dictated and predicated on the products right. and the strategies, right? As opposed to the plan being done properly dictates the strategies, right? And I think that's the that's, fundamental that's difference. The yeah, and baseline. And it becomes a lot easier to do that when you don't have a sales quota. Right. Yeah. 100%. yeah, I mean, that's just and, and, that's and, the facts. And, and I always tell clients, investment strategies, whether it's traditional mutual funds, yep. ETFs, bonds, all, you know, annuities, all, all these different things that people have to navigate through, that is ultimately the residue of a good relationship with a financial planner. That, right. That's just, that stuff figures itself out when yeah. you put together a good plan. Because if you know the plan, right, it, it's very easy to start to implement the proper strategies as opposed to what most people are doing, which is this guy that I sat in front of sounds like he knows what he was talking about. Yeah. So I do this I went strategy. to a free seminar. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I got a free dinner and that was nice. Yeah. And then he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. And so I bought this strategy and product. And whether it's the 401k at your at your employer or a strategy you bought, most people's financial plan is to, is to do this yeah. until they wake up one day and they're 65. And the hope is that these plans and strategies all created this environment right. as opposed to you actually have a capacity to take control of the finish line. And if you, if you know, you can do that and you're working with somebody that can help you do that, yeah. right. That, you know, the, the, the rest, the rest yeah. is easy. Going back with this whole career 
a trajectory that you had. By the way, I love when I have a guest because I actually get to drink my beer. I feel really yeah, awkward been, pausing know, and drinking my beer when when it's just me talking. Like, well, you know, you know I'm going to take some talking away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's be to say the least. Yes. Would you do anything different? Gosh, that's a great question. I get asked that too, and I don't. Yeah, worry. you know, and I think the knee-jerk reaction is: Would you do something different because you go back and you think to yourself like there was failure, right, or you did something wrong, right? And I think, you know, I have always adopted as an athlete in the way that I think and the way that I was raised was that failure is good. Yeah. Right. And and so I think you know, in in and I just you know conceptually to go back and think like oh what you know I think everybody would go back and do things differently. I think. Um, I would have done what we're doing now mm -hmm. as independent fiduciaries, consultants. I would have done that a lot sooner. See, that that's one spot I disagree with you on only because like, because I feel like we were still operating as a fiduciary, yeah, right? 100%. It was just a lot harder yep. to do it. Is And so I don't feel like anybody had any harm because of where we were at. My thing is, I don't know that I would fully be able to appreciate where we are to and now with agree. the capabilities and strategies and comprehensive plan we can give to our clients without having experienced the other side of it, which is you got to implement comprehensive fiduciary financial plans, but somehow also balance that you have a, you know, a mandated sales amount that you have Absolutely. to hit, right? Which was bullshit, yeah, right? Agreed. But you can't appreciate where we are now if you didn't start out somewhere. Yeah. So that's my thought. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, mean, I, I think, just changed you know, his mind, just like that. Well, that's, you know, you do that sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you say things with conviction, and I believe you. Let's wrap up true. with a beer review. I love what do it. you think? I like it, man. I, I mean, I'm not like, as you know, I'm not like a, I'm probably more of like a vodka soda, vodka water guy, but but no, I mean, it's it's good, man. This is a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a light IPA. It is light. Yeah. I usually, I, mean, I, I usually, I feel like I've gotten deeper into the sap with yeah, my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one, though. Well, Ronnie, thanks for coming on board. This was a good time. Hey, I hope the people enjoyed it, got some good laughs. My pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe, YouTube, Facebook, where podcasts, wherever you listen to those, Stitcher, iTunes. If you have any negative reviews on the podcast, send them to Ronnie at yeah. fsgmichigan.net. I'll throw a football and, at your gonads. <laughs> and any, any positive reviews, send me a message on Facebook. Prosperity by the pint. Thanks and cheers. Cheers, man.